0: This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. Hello, hello. Welcome into another episode of At The Turn. We are so excited for the Masters Tournament. We're kicking off two weeks of coverage. A little bit later, we're going to play a conversation that I had recently with Dan Kilbridge of bookies.com about how likely it is for you to win the Masters Lottery. He breaks it all down. Nick, before we get to that, how are you? I see you got the vest on. You're excited. You're about to play
1: some golf today. I'm going to play some golf. I got, the, I got the clubs loaded up in the trunk. I already, I already packed my beef jerky. My water bottle is full. Um, New snacks. As soon as Yeah, my healthy snacks, my golf-approved my golf snacks. Um, as soon as we are done recording, I will be heading to the golf course. Well,
0: we're not going to keep you too long. We do need to start. I'm, so if I'm talking extremely fast, <laughs>
1: you'll you'll know why. We
0: need to start with our GUR report. It's brought to you by T Box Coffee. T Box Coffee is a roast to order coffee brand in the heart of Southern California. Package for the golfer who can shoot 68, 112, and every score in between. Use promo code TURN15 at checkout. Of course, we have the promotion still going for the months of March and April. How many greens in regulation is Nick going to hit in totality? If you think you know the answer, if you don't. Leave a review at Apple Podcasts with your response. Nick, what is the Gur report for this week?
1: The Gur report is: have not played any golf since the last time I gave you my mm. last Gur report, but that's fine. As I mentioned, I'm going to the golf course momentarily. I'm going to hit a I'm bunch rack of them up. I do have an update. I have an update in the um, secondhand golf club set excursion. Um, I, I have. We've we've documented I got those 1987 McGregor DT irons for $9.99 out of my $40 budget. Since then, I have acquired a Callaway Big Bertha driver vintage 1991 for $12.71 from the goodwill of the greater Tacoma region. I am a putter and a five wood away from completing my set, and I've got almost half my budget left. You're good to go, man. This is going to happen.
0: So once you acquire everything, what is what is what is the end game here? You're going to go out and you're going to try to actually like play with these clubs and see, hey, should I have been playing with a club, uh, a set from 1992 the whole time here?
1: I think the goal is once I establish a baseline for how I'm playing, like, you know, w- once I like get into my rhythm of my game, right? Who knows when that could yeah. be? Hopefully it's in April. Um, Then I'm going to take these clubs out. For, for a stroll, probably just 18 holes, potentially 36. Um, I'm going to use my my fancy data, my Arcos, and I'm going to compare. Um, obviously, overall score. Like, I'm curious to see how much different the score will be. Um, I assume it will be different, but who knows by how much. But also kind of the next level. Like, okay, how do these irons perform? Like, what are my right. distances? What is the dispersion? What's the consistency? Um, you know, what's my distance off the tee in, like, if I'm going driver, six iron, is that really hurting me that much more? So kind of just take it to the next level and, and really compare what this golf technology does basically for a bogey golfer. I mean, that, 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 that's me. I think it represent a pretty large portion of recreational golfers. Um, so just kind of check it out.
0: I love it. That's going to be great. I mentioned we're kicking off our master's coverage and boy, our friends at matchstick golf have an exciting new limited edition azalea Ball marker. The azaleas are in full bloom right now at Augusta. And so their promotions are in full bloom over at Matchstick Golf. It's a limited edition azalea marker finished in gold medal. It's available now. You can purchase it or you can win one. We have a post on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram at theturnpod. All you have to do is identify the Masters winner and the exact score that they have. Nick, if you just say John Rahm, you don't win anything. I need a number. I need a four-round total number and the winner. We're doing this. It should be a lot of fun. Yep, you yep. have an opportunity to win one. If you want it, if you want to secure yourself one, you can do so at matchstickgolf.com. Promo code I mean,
1: this contest J-M. should be super easy to win. I mean, there's, it's a limited field. So there's only like 85, 95 different players who could win it. And, and you know, with, with a winning score, I think – Dustin Johnson and Jordan Spieth were somewhere in like the 18 to 20 under par. And, you know, I think Zach Johnson won this thing at at one under par. So there's only about, you know, uh, 18 different winning scores that are realistically possible at times that by the 95 different guys. You got a pretty good chance of winning this thing. I mean, what are we going to do when we have multiple winners? Look, if we do have multiple winners, the first person to post it will win. Okay,
0: there you go. What a a problem to have to have too many people picking the exact winner and the exact right score. But if you want to guarantee yourself one of these Azalea ball markers, they are gorgeous. Go to MatchstickGolf.com right now. All right, Nick, it's time for our Mad Golfer of the Week. It's brought to you by Piper Golf. Use the promo code Turn Ten at checkout for everything at Piper.Golf. You get 10% off balls for plus ones, 25s, or much less than a Titleist or a Callaway. The season is here. You got to stock up. Use promo code Turn at checkout at Piper.golf. By the way, for our full blown Masters preview next week, we have secured Piper President CEO Mike Gottfried. Nikki told me he owns a pickleball company now.
1: He has started a pickleball company, and well, I can't wait to ask him that. We're we're billing that as a Masters preview, but it's really just going to be about a, it's going to be a TED Talk on pickleball. We're gonna
0: do. We have to make sure we do less than two minutes on pickleball. We can't do more than two minutes. Okay. Nick doesn't agree. I can tell already. Well, it's gonna be. I have to filter everything down. So like, I'm
1: taking that. It's gonna be one question from one of us. Um, so yeah, no, we'll just have to really, really be selective. No, I think that's a good call. Our mad golfer of the week visited
0: Palos Verdes Golf Club, site of this week's L.A. Open on the LPGA Tour. Quote: I witnessed an older woman apparently a member of the board, harassing two men, and then she proceeded to enter their vehicle and vandalize the lunch they had made by dropping it on the ground. This was unacceptable behavior, and if this club has any sense, they will reprimand her for it. Vandalizing a lunch. Is the vandalizer a sandwich that's served at any Moscow sandwich shop?
1: I actually think it might
0: be a burger at the alehouse. It sounded familiar when I said it out loud, the vandalizer.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's pr- it's probably a bagel at the bagel shop too. I, I imagine now, people.
0: I'll tell you what. Someone at one thirty a.m. They have taken someone's bagel and they have vandalized that food. They have thrown it on the ground for some drunken fight happening yeah. in Moscow. But vandalizing a lunch, what does that mean? She went into the car, she found the egg salad, she just
1: slammed it on the ground because they were on the property here. I'm just I'm picturing I'm picturing her, you know, taking the PB and J out of the cup holder in and, and just like politely tossing it into the garbage can that's next to the tea box. Um, I really don't know. I mean, I have a lot of questions. Um, I love that, that this reviewer needs to point out the fact that this is, in fact, unacceptable behavior, and she should be <laughs> reprimanded. Like, somebody should tell her that that is unacceptable behavior. Um, to be clear,
0: you're not supposed to throw sandwiches in garbage cans if they're not yours. She has been
1: publicly reprimanded. Um, I, I, I deserve to know that she has, has had a talking to. That is
0: your mad golfer of the week. Well, we can't let Nick escape to the golf course before we hear another edition of Nick Rules. Brought to you by Matchstick Golf. Use promo code TURN20 at checkout.
1: Theme song still pending, Nick. All right. Well, Dan is going to tell us how we can get to the Masters. And and if he tells me my my chances are anything other than 50-50, I'm immediately (laughs) shutting off this interview. I'm not going to listen to another word. And I am going to tell you how the professional golfers get to the Masters and the amateurs. These are the 20 qualifications for exemptions into the Masters. Now, most of these have already been punched. So I'm going to breeze through several of them. However, there are a few that are still lingering out there. A couple couple a few more guys may just sneak into the Masters. Um so number 1, any previous Masters champion, whether he's playing for live, whether he's 90 years old, you get an invite to Augusta. You might, it might be it might be an invitation, but you but you get the invitation. USA, yeah, you're not if I can pause you, like yeah. you you're not supposed to come
0: if you're over a certain age, right? It's like right. basically the Arno Pomeru because Arnie was showing up. Ugh. Look, it's, it's great to see a king, but you're, you're 75. You can't break 90. So there's no <clears>
1: official <throat> rule. But if you're over a certain age, you kind of got to stop showing up. Exactly. Exactly. If you've won any of the other majors in the last five years, you get an invite. U.S. Open. British Open. PGA Championship. What about Brooksy? He won a bunch of them. Does he get to stack those? Is, is, he, is he exempt for 20 years? No. It resets. Your five years resets from your most recent major. Boom. Um, players champions. From the last three years. Ah, it's 60% of a major. You get 60% of the exemption if you won the players championship. Cam Smith, That's right. he's in that group. He will be playing at Augusta. Here's one. It's kind of new. Kind of have an issue with it. The Olympic gold medalist, Mm. the year after you have won the gold medal. So once every four years, the Olympic gold medalist gets an invite. Now, this is kind of messed up. Xander, he's got the gold medal. Sure, he's getting in already. But shouldn't you get in until somebody else dethrones you from that podium? And what about the silver and bronze medals? Because these are the guys who really are probably more likely to, to use this exemption and what a cool talking point it would be like three years after Rory Sabatini won a medal at the masters or at the Olympics. And they're like, well, Rory Sabatini is like two off the lead after, after Thursday at the masters. And he only got in because he changed nationalities and worked his tail off and got into the Olympics and, and won like a seven for one playoff for a bronze medal. Um, hashtag not my Rory. (laughs) (laughs) So that would be cool. Anyways, um, it's just the gold medalist just the year after they win. A bunch of amateurs are getting in. U.S. amateur champion. British amateur champion. Asia-Pacific amateur champion. Latin America amateur champion. U.S. mid-amateur champion. I got to get those guys. I don't have a chance to win any of those. I was was waiting for you to say
0: qualifying for the Oregon mid-amateur getting into the Masters. The the Northwest (laughs) golf guys match
1: play (laughs) (laughs) runner-up. Uh, Not not yet. Uh, Okay. Other exemptions. Top 12 from the last year's Masters, which is cool because if you get in on one of those exemptions and then you you have a a strong week, boom, you're, you're good. Top four from the previous U.S. Open, British Open, PGA Champion. You finish top four in a major, you go into Augusta. It's all said and done. Players who have won a PGA Tour event. Since the last masters, not alternate field events. Those don't count, but yeah, this is where you can get up until the last week. Like essentially the Houston uh, Texas open is a, is a, I'm at 155 for one masters qualifier because a lot of guys aren't really playing that if they're in the masters because they're prepping and they're scouting the course and all this stuff. But if you're not in yet, you're like, damn dude, this is going to be a weaker field. I'm peaking. I've been training for Augusta all year, but I'm not in. So, so I got to go. So, That's pretty cool. Also, the top 50 in the OWDR, OWGR at the end of the year and the top 50 in the OWGR the week before the Masters. So that's going to be basically, if you're listening to this on Monday, which you should be, the the top 50 in the OWGR today. If you weren't already exempt, you get in. So the Dell match play, a lot of guys are like, okay. If Ricky Fowler makes to the semifinals, like he could go from 64th to 49th and he gets in. So there's a lot of jockeying uh, that way as well, which is kind of exciting. And finally, if you didn't get into any of those other ones, the Masters reserves the right to invite whoever the hell they want to invite. I'm not sure, Joe, where this is used because it's not like a U.S. Open where you've got like a Steve Stricker and it's coming to Wisconsin and you want to get him in there. And if he doesn't qualify, you, you just kind of invite him. Um, you know, all the past champions are already invited. So who would you really want to be there who didn't qualify? I'm not really quite sure. Um, do you know anybody who has used this in the past or where they would use this? Uh,
0: an, an example that I'm thinking of is if Greg Norman wasn't an asshole, maybe like 10 years ago, they would have invited him. Someone like that who's had some close calls, wouldn't be exempt maybe towards the end of their playing career. Cause like Norman almost won the British open in 2008. I think the year before Watson almost won it as like a 50 plus year old. So something like that. Um, But I think it's pretty rarely invoked because you're right. If it's like someone would have to be a past champion, if you want to give it to them towards the end of their career, like they would have had to have had an impressive record at Augusta, but not quite getting there. Um, Mm -hmm. So I doubt it was used. like
1: Like let's flash forward. I don't know. 20, right. When, when like Rory at the end of his career just needs the career grand Boy. slam, you know, like he, he's done sad. All this for the PGA tour and and he's like, maybe he's had a couple good years and it's like, by the way, hey guys, I'm,
0: I'm not quite there yet, but I think I might pick Rory to win the masters this year. I think, I think I might do it. I think I might. I don't know. I don't know. I I haven't yet. Sorry. We can close the book no, on Nick rules. That's, that's, that's a lot yeah, of ways to get close. the Masters. Look, if you're not in the Masters, so that's ways. on you, There's man. So many <laughs> right. right. You have million. a lot of chances. <laughs> it's, it's all on you, man. Um, okay. I don't want to delay this much farther. It's a very interesting interview that we have with Dan Kilbridge of Bookies.com. We had um a really wide-ranging conversation. The crux of it is he wants to figure out how likely it is that you win the Masters lottery, the ticket lottery, get into the event. We break it down in an unscientific, very scientific way. He shares his experiences about being on the grounds at Augusta. One of my favorite interviews we've done on this podcast, so please stay tuned to that. Next week, we have Mike Gottfried from Piper Golf, a full-blown Masters preview. Our picks. Nick, who is your pick to win the Masters?
1: Uh, I actually have a – I've got a, a very outside-the-box intriguing, Ooh. but I think if you, if you think about this, it will make sense. <laughs> I can't wait. This is John already Rom. exciting. John Ron. <laughs> that's, wait,
0: that's your outside the box? Hear me pick? out.
1: Hear me out. Okay. It could make sense. As crazy as it sounds. <laughs> as crazy as it sounds. Nick
0: lays the case out for one of the hottest, most dominant players in the world to win one of the biggest events next week. If that's not reason to tune in, I don't know what is. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the conversation with Dan. We'll talk next week. Before we go through the method to your madness here, what was the inspiration behind it? Did you just want to know the answer to this? It, I did. And
2: I just kind of, I've always liked uh, trying to figure out questions that may not be, uh, you know, possible to answer definitively without, you know, Augusta National handing that information over. Um, and I've, you know, it was golf season and we are a betting site. And I thought rather than do a traditional, oh, I think Kim Smith's going to win this year. Uh, it would be fun to do something, you know, kind of odds related, uh, but in a completely different direction than just the typical tournament stuff. And uh, you know, it's something I've always been curious about. So it was a lot of fun looking into it.
0: Yeah. Something that you were adamant about throughout your piece is, This is an educated guess. This is for entertainment purposes only. I don't actually know, but this is a fun exercise that we're going through. Yes.
2: And all of my uh, math teachers throughout uh, high school and college would definitely support the notion that this is not a scientific uh, breakdown of any kind, more of just, you know, a general fun exercise of how close can we get. And it did take, you know, a lot of time uh, to go through it. And it became kind of a bear where you're sort of like, you know, stuck in the woods out there. And there's so many numbers. You're like, I don't know what, you know, what question I'm even trying to answer with this anymore. Uh, But somehow it kind of all unraveled. And I feel pretty confident that the number that we arrived at was Fairly close. There were there were some sketchy <laughs> estimates where it's like it could be way way off. Uh, but I, I feel just anecdotally, uh, sort of eyeball test, like I feel like we got pretty close to a realistic number for the odds of winning a uh, tournament day ticket.
0: We're going to go through what you did, but I would encourage folks, go to bookies.com, check out Dance piece. It was interesting. I've read it like three or four times to make sure I understood everything that you went through. But you basically identified three variables, right? The number of patrons that attend, how many of those are attending, one, the Masters Ticket Lottery, and then how many people actually applied for Masters Lottery tickets to try to identify the odds of winning the Masters Lottery. So kind of the first piece is you... <laughs> cheekily alluded to early on, uh, the masters did not hand you these numbers and they're famously secretive about a lot of stuff, including just raw attendance figures. So how did you arrive at your guess on number of patrons?
2: That was actually probably the easiest part to figure out because estimates had already been done in that regard. Uh, probably like you said, because Augusta for some reason chooses not to release, uh, anything, like that um it's always gonna pique people's curiosity especially because it is the most uh you know spectacular event the most desirable event in all of golf in terms of exclusivity it's the one sort of tournament that you cannot buy your way into you can't just pay ten thousand dollars and get a, a vip package from whoever's sponsoring that week uh so that was uh you know, a number that I felt very confident with. 40,000 is a number that the Associated Press had come up with before. Um, and just based on, you know, my time at Golf Week Magazine, covering a lot of different tournaments around the country, you do sort of get pretty good at gauging a crowd. Um, and, you know, it's like, you'll be at the PGA Championship, I remember, in Bell Reve, and you just step out of the mirror and say, it's like, oh my God, there are At least 80,000 people here right now. This golf course is jam-packed. And then there's others where you're walking stretches of holes and you don't see another person uh, from 7 to 10 or whatever it may be. So I think 40,000, it it seems right. The Masters is, you know, know, Augusta is a massive piece of property. So there are only a few choke points on the course where it really does feel condensed Um, but then there are again even at augusta national you'll be walking a certain area and you could be the only person uh within sight which is a a really exciting and kind of just like almost a religious experience when you find yourself alone at augusta looking around kind of a how did i get here moment uh but yes we did feel i think forty thousand was like the most solid number that we had in the entire
0: piece Okay. So we have the $40,000 figure, 40,000 people figure. And then you attempted to figure out how many of those daily attendees were actually lottery ticket winners versus those with the lifetime tournament passes. And before we get to your sleuthing on that, the lifetime passes themselves, I feel like could be a whole side conversation piece of this. That is absolutely fascinating. So for folks that are unfamiliar with sort of the split between, you know, folks that get the um, lottery tickets versus the lifetime lifetime passes, the series badge patrons. Can you explain that to listeners?
2: It's basically the luckiest group of people on earth. Um, (laughs) Essentially, you know, the (sighs) – it's Obviously, you and I are, you don't remember um, the Masters in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s as it was sort of slowly becoming uh, the behemoth that it is today. Um, but really, you know, back then, and when, especially when the when the tournament was first founded, they were begging people to come out to Augusta National because they were trying to make it, um, you know, a special event and try to make it exclusive, especially with just the naming of the Masters. That was kind of the goal all along, but it took a long time to get people on board to where there was a massive demand for tickets. So even up until, you know, the seventies and eighties, I believe tickets were not hard to come by. And for locals uh, around Augusta and throughout the state of Georgia, there was a waiting list for these series badges. Uh, I believe the waiting list has been closed since around 2000. It briefly opened up for a year or so around 20 years ago. Um, But yeah, basically you get a lifetime pass in which you can attend the masters every single day of tournament week, all the practice rounds, all the tournament rounds for face value, which is, I can't remember the exact total. It's like, it's not more than 300 or 400 bucks. I think it's even cheaper than that uh, for the bad. So basically it's, you know, it's, a golden ticket Uh, and you can come every year and there are certain kids uh, youth golfers who that is kind of how they grow up their childhood revolves around attending the masters every week Um, as i'm sure you know the the high schools throughout augusta close during tournament week and the kids work the concession stands they get to come see a little bit of the golf so it's such a weird dynamic of you know, the 20,000 lottery winners um, and the corporate invites, you know, the people at breakfast place, all that stuff. And then just sort of the more um, down to earth, like face value, you don't have to pay an arm and a leg. If you're lucky enough to have one of those series badges, uh, you are in for life. So long as you are in compliance uh, with the rules each year, because I have heard firsthand horror stories of people who gave their pass to a brother for a day and brother accidentally forgets he has the cell phone in his pocket as he's going through security. Brother gets kicked out and the badge gets revoked. So they do take those things very seriously. Uh, but it's an incredible uh, a privilege for those who had it. And that was a really difficult uh, thing to figure out is how many of those were out there.
0: Yeah, so before we get to how many try how many how you tried to figure out how many were out there um did you try to contact augusta or have you ever in your career tried to figure out like can i get on this list is there a list is this something that's going to be closed off for the rest of time do you have any insight into that part of it
2: i don't um but, you know just asking around In terms of how many there were, I know that I texted a lot of just sources, a lot of writers who are really plugged in um, and they all, you know, kind of had no idea and couldn't even really muster a guess. It's just sort of that locked down um, in terms of information. I just don't see the waiting list opening again with how big the tournament has become, how much demand there is. And I think there have been concerns about the secondary market where for, you know, Quite a few years, it was not uh, not exactly a secret that you could go to the public's across the street and then you you know pay God knows what for a badge that, you you know, when you're buying it, you don't even know if it's legit. Uh, but I know that Augusta has been trying to crack down on that um, quite a bit, and I don't see the lottery opening again uh, within the next couple of decades, at least just where we are with interest and things like that.
0: All right, folks, you basically have two choices. You pay about $3,000 for a badge that could be fake, or you try to win the Masters lottery, which is why Dan is here, trying to give us an idea of how likely or unlikely it is. Okay, so this was probably my favorite part of the piece, you trying to figure out how many of the 40,000 people on a daily basis are there for every tournament day are lifetime pass holders. You went on eBay, you tried to look at resale souvenirs of the Masters. Can you break down that part of it? Because this was fascinating to me.
2: Yeah, that was kind of my, my breakthrough when I was trying to figure out like, I, you know, it felt like the piece was going to be done because there, if I couldn't figure out at least like a, a rough estimate of the percentage breakdown between lottery winners and badge holders, then there, there's no way to get what we're looking for. So I, I don't know. The idea just popped in my head to check eBay um, and see if there were any badges out there that might have any clues. Uh, luckily, there were hundreds of uh, patron badges is what they're called sort of those weekly passes. And they were all num well, not all numbered. Um, I think, in, I think maybe two or three years ago, Augusta, uh, created a new rule that if you were to resell your badge, or maybe they just said no reselling your badge as a souvenir at all. So now people cover up the numbers, uh, when they're listing it on eBay, but that was not a policy, um, prior to 2018. So I looked at like 100 badges from the 60s all the way to the 2000s and just paid attention to the numbers, tracked every number of every badge. Um, And it looked to me like I think the lowest numbered badge I found was 386 and the highest uh, badge was somewhere around 22,000. Um, again, taking a leap of faith that Augusta does not have some weird numbering system that is not uh, one, two, three, four. Um, which yeah, I they didn't can... start
0: at like you know two hundred and twenty-two or something.
2: Right. Yeah, they would we'll probably do that just to screw with people like me. Um, yeah, so then uh, you know, kind of got that, got a range of three hundred to twenty-two thousand, um, but I could not find any. Larger than 20,000 after a certain point um, in the 80s or the 90s. So I do believe that the number of patron badges was reduced uh, because they can only be transferred to a living spouse. You cannot transfer them. You can't even transfer them to your children uh, once you perish. So those badges then go Back to Augusta National, and they can decide do we want to keep this in the rotation of patron badges? Do we want to put it in the lottery or do we want to give it to someone from IBM? So they then control that uh, again when when someone uh, relinquishes their badge. And I think the number right now, I felt very confident, was between 15,000 and 20,000 based on. Um, all the all the badge numbers and things like that, and we just split the difference uh, and went with eighteen thousand. I believe was the number uh, that we came up with for a given number of tournament badges on a given day. So eighteen thousand total, meaning there will be eighteen thousand uh, badge
0: holders there on a given tournament round. So in other words, eighteen thousand of the lifetime holders, and then twenty-two thousand of the masters. Uh, lottery ticket, given that we're assuming that 40000 per day. Precisely. And I found your the, the point you made was so interesting because as I was reading the article, I was thinking to myself, okay, well, the number of lifetime badge holders is going to increase over time. But you made the excellent point that it's going to decrease because, A, the only way you can pass them on is to your spouse. So it's not like you can give them on to the kids. They're not generationally. And given where the tournament is now versus where it was in 78 and then 2000 when they stopped adding people to the lifetime badges, the, the the tournament itself changed so much, the dynamic of it, how it has exploded, even from 2000 to now, sort of the behemoth that it has become. So the Masters famously wants control of everything, so they're going to want control of those lifetime tickets, so you're assuming that that number is going to decrease over time rather than increase or remain flat, which I thought was a fascinating point.
2: Yeah. And it's, you know, that's a trend that's been going on in pretty much every sport, every, you know, profession. It's now more about the luxury experience. It's more about partnerships and clients, uh, entertainment, things of that nature. And it's gone away from just, Hey, let's get a bunch of people to, to show up and they can, they can pay you a fair price and uh, we'll put on a show for them. So that was kind of, uh, yeah that was it's kind of sad to think about that this was you know such a great program so many uh, kids uh, have so many great memories from attending all these tournaments and uh, you know I, I do believe fewer and fewer kids will have that chance uh, in the future but who knows the the thing about augusta national, Um, that I have one of the things that I have tremendous respect for the club is, is they do evolve. It might not seem like it. Uh, It's certainly they want the image that nothing has changed since the 70s. It has changed drastically. The new uh, merchandise. It's not a tent. It's a building. They have constructed a large merchandise building um, on the grounds. The media center is basically a mansion um, it's just the most ridiculous, uh, luxurious working space I've ever uh, encountered. And so they, they do kind of understand that times have changed. They've done some innovating with the broadcast. They've slowly conceded on things like the shot tracking um, and other trends. They've invited a lot of influencers uh, out, which is interesting considering you can't have your cell phone. On the ground, so I don't know why. And, and maybe that's uh, you know maybe they're not. I'm guessing they're actually not invited by the club. Probably more of a corporate um, VIP pass type deal. But yeah, I, I do think you know it's never going to get to the point where it's the Super Bowl and no one is able to attend other than the extremely wealthy um, and those who are tied in to the game itself. I, I do think Augusta will continue to figure out a way to get people uh, to the course. And that's what, you know, I love about the lottery. Your chances aren't great, but I think we all know, uh, certainly I do, you know, many people who have won and who have gone and had the time of their life, even if they get rained on, uh, for an entire Tuesday practice round. So it's, it's attainable. And I think it needs to stay that way. And I have confidence that it will.
0: Yeah. It's an extreme marriage between, you know, exclusivity and folksiness colliding together at the Masters. It's and that and and that's I think the ap- the appeal for a lot of folks, right? It's like, all right, I know it costs four thousand dollars in a secondary market to get a ticket, but I would like a pimento cheese sandwich for two dollars. Those two things exist together at Augusta.
2: Yeah, and it's like a, it's a difficult dynamic to describe. I mean, I think you just encapsulated it perfectly. Um, but that was always a challenge when I was at the course and trying to describe those kind of conflicting. Uh, ideals and just sort of the 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 way that um, sort of we take in the tournament as viewers and the way that people view the the hierarchy of the club and and all those things Um, certainly again that's probably a different topic for a different day but um, yeah it's it's uh, there's there's truly nothing else like it in sports.
0: Okay so Back to the methodology, because I do want to land the plane here, even though that was a fun tangent. So we have 40,000 people there per day. We have 18,000 of those that are on these lifetime passes, 22,000 that are there that are lottery ticket winners. But the last thing you had to try and figure out was how many people apply for lottery tickets each year to come up with that final number. So how did you go about this?
2: A lot of different ways. i um, not sure any of them were all that good, but, but um, so the first thing I looked at was TV ratings just to gauge, you know, how many people uh, on a given year are watching the masters across the country. Um, I believe that number for the final round of the 2021 masters was 6.7 million households. Um, obviously every Household tuned into the Masters will not be applying for a badge. I did bring up um, there is, you know, even though the the tickets themselves are very affordable, if you win the lottery, uh, there is a financial barrier still just the logistics around the course, I suppose, um, you know, you could drive, let's say you're from way out of town, you could drive 12 hours through the night, go to the course and then drive 12 hours straight home uh, and do it within the budget. That's not realistic. Um, And hotels around the area, very, very expensive for tournament week. They book up uh, in advance. People around the area pay their mortgages uh, annually, just based on the one week of renting their house wow. out for the tournament. So yeah, that's a pretty sweet deal for those Augusta homeowners. Um, but it, it's just, you know, the, the tournament, once you get in, and if you win the lottery, that is incredibly affordable by today's standards. It's all, everything else uh, where it does become more of an expense. So certainly there there are people who just unfortunately don't have the means, even if they were to win the lottery. And uh you know, that, this is the number that I had the most trouble with. Um, but I looked at other things too. I looked at, uh, you know, like how many people um, applied for a job at Google uh, in the tech world, like things like that, just kind of, if there is this opportunity that people will probably want, how many of them will actually uh, go for it. And again, this is kind of the make or break uh, of the piece because it's, it is the, you know, it does come down to the applicants, but just a lot of different sort of uh, sketchy math um, with, the, with the TV viewers, with just how many people, you know, I even looked at kind of like Taylor Swift tickets, how many, uh, mm. how many people try to get those when they go on sale. Unfortunately, I did not have this last tour to go off of when I was doing the piece because I think that would have been tremendously helpful. Um, But the number that, you know, I ultimately came up with was roughly uh, 2 million applications. Um, So about 25, I figured about 25% of households that were watching the final round would apply. And that's, uh, again, I think that's, you know, I don't think it's terribly far off.
0: Sure. So there's an assumption that if you're watching the master's, You might be interested in attending, but the barrier to entry, even with the face value tickets, is still a lot. Because, like, take me for example. I'm in Portland. I got to fly to Atlanta. Then I got to rent a car. Then I got to make a decision: how long do I, you know, how, how how close am I actually staying to the course? If I'm there for a tournament day or a practice day. So while the ticket itself may be $150 to get there, may be close to a couple grand by the time of meals and flights and everything else. So yeah, not all those people are going to apply. So if we assume. 25%, 25%, what was the final figure? How likely am I to win the master's lottery and actually get tickets, Dan?
2: So when you break it all down, and another thing that we had to keep in mind is that you were allowed to apply for two tickets. Mm. Each, each applicant is allowed to apply for two tickets. Um, and I can't imagine many, Uh, would choose one instead of
0: two. So I go with a buddy, your dad. Yeah, Yeah.
2: exactly. So we reduced that number uh, of 20. You know, we figured there were 22,000 lottery tickets available per day. And we reduced that in half to 11,000 to account for those two applications uh, per household. So when we broke it all down, uh, the final number that we came up with was 0.55%. So a one in 200 Chance to win tournament tickets in the lottery. And it is so that was it is more likely, uh, certainly to win practice round tickets. They have more people on the grounds those days, but that, uh, sort of got away from me when I was looking into the numbers, the breakdown of tournament versus practice. So I decided to keep the focus solely on tournament practice rounds and that a one in 200 chance. I mean, Again, I, that passes the, the litmus test for me. I mean, I know maybe, you know, two people that I golf with uh, have won for the actual tournament. I know, you know, several who have won practice rounds. But really only, I think, two or three people who I play golf with that have actually won a tournament round. Um, and I actually got to meet up with them while I was covering the tournament. So that was a really fun day. But, yes, I think, you know, one in 200, it's it's not bad, right? It's, it seems you know, pretty good free like if you so if you do it you know it's I don't think it's that you know out of the realm of possibility you just got to keep keep going back you know it's keep you can't play if you don't win or you can't win exactly. if you don't play
0: I'm going to keep plugging away this actually gave me hope that I have a realistic chance because unlike you Dan I actually don't know someone who's won the lottery so I'm thrilled mm-hmm. to come across this piece thrilled to hear you actually know people that have successfully won the lottery. I, I I've never been to the masters, but I've been to the U S open, um, practice rounds that have been to U S open tournament rounds. And I've had fun at both wildly different experiences, but I think I would encourage people to apply for tickets every single day for the masters. Definitely don't be snobby and skip the practice rounds because especially if you've never been to Augusta and you have, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but just getting to walk the property and being there during practice rounds when perhaps it's a more relaxed atmosphere, um, that's got to be an amazing experience in itself.
2: It really is. And I've been incredibly fortunate that uh, to cover it three years. So I was there in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Um, and one of the coolest things I've ever experienced uh, in my professional career was on Easter Sunday, the first time I went to the Masters, it was... Uh, the week or it was the Sunday before the tournament started. So it was players were just sort of arriving uh, to the course and they don't allow fans on the grounds on Sunday, but media is allowed to go get their badges and then work from the course for that day. So standing kind of near the clubhouse, looking out over the entire course and there's not another soul in sight. There, You know, there's, you're basically alone um, in this massive, you know, Property, it wow. was a, a special, special moment. Um, but I'll, I'll certainly never forget it. And you know, even <laughs> I get choked up there, like, because you just see everywhere you go, someone is making a memory of a lifetime. Like, every time you go down Amen Corner, there's a dad and a son, like, not saying anything, right? They're sitting there, arms around each other, just looking. Like, it's so good. And there's so many of those. Fun moments where, like you know, the the bonds that are being built, um, it is really really special, and that's what makes it you know different than other tournaments. It's still a, absolutely a blast to go to any of these places. Um, I would love to get out to another uh, U.S. Open on the West Coast because I've never really never seen band in, never seen that kind of part of the golfing world. Chambers looks, uh, I mean, it looks excellent now. I think it should probably get another shot, but. Um, yeah, to the point, you know, the Masters is just kind of a different deal where it is so emotional. And you feel that when you're on the course, even if you're there working, just the way that you see people interact in the moments they're having, it is
0: really special. Dan, what kind of feedback have you gotten on the piece?
2: A uh, little of both. You know, I, I got a lot of people who just thought it was... Uh, It's interesting that some people read it and they go, Oh, that sucks. Like, I'm never going to win. This is, (laughs) that's not fair. Like, what am I even doing? I can't believe it. What a chip. And then there's other people. Really, wow, that's pretty good. Like, you know, I'll take those chances, which is kind of where I fall. Um, So I guess it's just, I don't know, a matter of people's expectations, uh, how lucky they feel they are in life. But yeah, the the reception was very good. Um, And luckily for me, no one has come forth with a counter uh, (laughs) pointing out all the places I went terribly wrong with my numbers and how it's not even close. So, Uh, Yeah, there's been no rebuttal. Um, I'm kind of guessing that I will now be placed in like a lifetime ban from the lottery (laughs) for attempting to guess. Like, I I really think like I might have. I hope I didn't like screw over any of my family, and that like the the Kilbridge name is now just blacklisted. But I do have a feeling uh, that writing that piece may have hurt my chances uh, in future lotteries, which I'm fine with. I got to spend three full weeks at augusta national so i truly feel like you know even if i never get back uh, i'll always have those memories and just consider myself incredibly lucky to have experienced it um and now you know when you watch it on tv it's it feels different when you know the routing from three to four when you can picture the tunnels and only oh, yeah, i you know i needed that tree for shade on six like just all those things are really really adds to the experience and to kind of see it all laid out in front of you after you've watched it on television or played it on Xbox and PS or PlayStation for however many years, like to just see it all laid out. It's so, in a way, it's so different than you expect. Um, And in a way it's, it's just like you've always imagined. It's, it's hard to describe, but it's, you just got to, see it. And I truly hope that that everyone who legitimately wants to, um, not for the status, not for the party, not to be seen, but like those people who truly just want to get out, get a visual um, on this lovely golf course. Like I really, really hope that everyone who wants to do that gets a chance someday.
0: I love that. So the piece itself is a bit of a Rorschach test and you haven't had like a genteel phone call at 3am threatening you to take the piece down yet, at least.
2: Not yet. The the lottery came and went this year. I I didn't win the lottery, uh, but I got the same email as everyone else. So, I don't know. Maybe we're we're flying under the radar, uh, but we don't want to take any chances.
0: Dan Kilbridge, bookies.com. You've been so generous with your time. We're going to get you out of here with this. It is Turn 10 Rapid Fire Questions brought to you by Piper Golf. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout at piper.golf. You can get tour-quality golf balls at amateur prices. Dan, are you ready? Absolutely. Number one, Jack or Arnold? Arnold. Number two, hole in one or lowest round ever? Hole in one. Number three, will Tiger make a cut this year? Yes. Number four, will Rory win a major this year? No. (laughs) Number number five, what's the most you've ever paid for a round of golf?
2: Oh, I want to say like a hundred bucks.
0: Oh, that's not bad. No, no, yeah, we don't get too crazy with it. Okay, number six, favorite club in your bag? Got to be the nine iron. Love it. Number seven, what's the most important putt you've ever made?
2: Ooh, uh, yeah, just took down uh, a big match at the new south course at Arcadia Bluffs, which is tremendous uh, throwback link style property. Uh, just Made about a 10-footer there to win the match on 18. Uh, I think that's that's about as good as it gets for me. I'm not a terrific short game player by any means.
0: Whatever the first one that comes to mind, that's always the most important putt. I love what I ask people that one. Number eight, fade or draw? Fade. Wipey fade. <laughs> uh, number nine, are breakfast balls ever okay? They are always okay. And number 10, last one, how early should someone arrive to the course before their tea time?
2: (laughs) Should in, uh, let's see, they they should be there half an hour before. I've broken that rule
0: countless times. Of course, drunk to tea, we've all been there. Dan Kilbridge, read his good work on bookies.com. You can get his picks every week for the PGA tour. I checked him out, they're pretty good. Dan, thank you so much for your time and sharing your story about the piece. It was a lot of fun, and I encourage all the listeners to go check it out.
2: Thanks for having me, Joe. Really enjoyed it.
0: I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time at The Turn.